no one would have thought that you know he would be the reason you win the game, right? People thought that he would be like, he's not gonna lose you the game, but no one thought he would be the reason that you win the game. And man, he played, he, man, what is up? What is up? You already know what it is, man. Welcome to another episode of the Vance Barnes Show. I am him, he is me, Glitch and Matrix, your host, Vance Barnes, man. Appreciate y'all tapping in with us. We got a lot to cover. If you're watching on YouTube, please go hit that subscribe button. Comment your favorite stuff for the from the show. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, please go like, rate, share, all that good stuff. Man, Wild Card Weekend recap. Putting some more respect on the Joker, Nikola Jokic's name. Man, we got a lot to cover this, this pod. Man, appreciate y'all tapping in with us. Let's get started. I am recording this before. Tampa Bay and Dallas kick off. Uh, didn't want to wait a whole another day to get this out to you guys the way it's set up. And it's stupid anyway that they're playing on Monday night because they're, you know, the winner of this game is going to San Fran. Um, it gives San Fran a competitive advantage who played on Saturday. They get two extra days of rest. Um, just not fair in general, but hey, it is what it is. It's life in the NFL. It's a playoffs, baby. So we all love what we all came here to watch man so the weekend matchups first we'll start off with san fran versus seattle versus seahawks and man i'm i was thinking the same thing everybody else was thinking that seattle there was no way that seattle was actually putting up a fight and that actually might upset the 49ers at home in the wild card weekend um but man they had to put up that's all it was it was a first half fight right 49ers in the Second half proved exactly why I said last week that um, I believe they are the scariest team in the NFC, right? Brock Purdy not looking like us. I think his story is going to look a lot like uh, Tom Brady's, right? I think his story, you know, Tom Brady obviously came in for Drew Bledsoe um, to a very great um, Patriots team that was already ready. And we could see a you know a rookie Brock Purdy take that you know seventh last pick in the draft take that take this 49ers team all the way right I mean 18 for 30 332 yards and three tugs right I think after like six weeks or so right after he played and they, they were winning games I think most people around the league was like they were like okay we know this guy is at least he can at least manage football games right we always hear about uh man like quarterbacks who can manage the football game um we look at those teams those jets teams with mark sanchez right some of those joe flacco ravens teams um we look at quarterbacks that can manage the team and not like manage the game and at least not lose you the game right at least not turn over the ball no one would have thought that you know he would be the reason you win the game, right? People thought that he would be like, he's not gonna lose you the game, but no one thought he would be the reason that you win the game. And man, he played, he played like a true San Francisco legend, right? San Francisco's got two of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played, Joe Montana, Steve Young. And um, there's probably not, there's probably a few games, not many, not many games from San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks that are that were better than the one that he played on Saturday, right? And going off that, like if if Purdy does take this team all the way to the conference championship, um, I would argue that if he does, that he's done enough to be their starter going into next season, right? Um, I, if I was the 49ers and he takes us all the way there, I wouldn't even do the whole quarterback controversy thing, right? Name him your starter, give him that confidence. 
Um, I think it's it's huge for quarterbacks to know like, hey, this is your team uh, going in, and then he has a whole offseason knowing like, hey, it's my job. Like it's, it's there's no controversy, there's no battle. It's my job, and it, it, I have the team, I have the organization behind my back. It gives him that confidence, right? Um, maybe see what you can get for Trey Lance because, or or keep him, right? You know what you have in Trey Lance through a, a year and a half of practice. Um, he's shown great flashes um, when he's played in front of the fan, like preseason and, and the games that he's played. He's shown flashes, but you've seen him every day in practice, right? So you know exactly what you're getting from Trey Lance at this point, as well as you know exactly what you're getting from Brock Purdy. I feel like by, you know, after this playoffs run ends, um, right? So you maybe see what you can get for Trey Lance. Can you get a couple firsts? Can you get at least a first for him? He's still young, a team may be trying to look, uh, you know, a, a, there's a lot of teams that need for a quarterback, right? A team may be trying to look for that young guy that they can get, um, you know, and, and build him up, or maybe just keep him. And you have arguably the best backup in the league, whether it's him or Purdy. Um, and then if Purdy doesn't play well, then you always have insurance, right? You always can go, okay, we'll go back to our, our, you know, first pick of the draft, you know, in 2020 or 2021, right? Um, in the end, you know, the, the 49ers organization is a great one. They've always been a great organization. And one thing I thought about today, I was like, man, I wonder like what the blueprint, what their owners were like, you know, hey, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna stick to. Because they have, like they had a stretch where they were pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie, when I was a kid, they had a stretch where they were pretty bad, but they, they've, they've gotten back on top. Um, and like I said, they sh they know what they have with Lance, right? They know what they got with Lance. They know what they got with Purdy. And the thing is with me is quarterback controversies, right? They're only good for one thing, and that's the media hub. That's what everybody's talking about. There's, they're, on they're only good for the off-season stories when you get into training camp, into mini camp, and all that good stuff for us to talk about, right? Or for the media to talk about. Yes, it creates competition um, and it sees who, like, how you evaluate guys under pressure when they know that every single throw is being evaluated and they're, being, they're competing with another guy. But I don't know, man, when has a quarterback competition truly worked, right? When has a quarterback competition truly brought out, like, hey, this is our guy, we want him, and he, he's led us to a Super Bowl, right? Let's, we can look back at some of the greater quarterbacks and, and winning teams um, from the past, right, a uh, couple of decades, Patrick Mahomes, right? He came in, he was the guy behind Alex Smith, you know, sat a year behind Alex Smith, and then he became the guy, right? There was no controversy there. When Alex Smith left, Andy Reid and those boys know exactly what they were, like, who they had in their locker room. That's our started going forward. Tom Brady, again, led the Patriots to the title, and there was no quarterback controversy after you know, Bledsoe even came back. When Brady got hurt for a playoff game and Bledsoe led that team, you know, to a win, Brady came right back in and was a starter, right? There was no controversy there. Aaron Rodgers waited his turn in Green Bay. The media tried to make it a story, but it was really like, hey, until Brett Favre gets too old or, or wants to leave or we don't like, there was no controversy. Once they let go of Favre, it was Aaron Rodgers' team. Big Ben and Eli Manning, both multi-one, like, so I know they don't, they're not in the category of those three guys I named earlier, but those two guys both have two Super Bowls. They both got drafted to the team, like, you know, to the teams that they were on. No quarterback controversy there, right? So I just, I wonder, when does quarterback controversy really, truly work for something outside of just 
it's a great story, right? Next, we had the Chargers at Jacksonville. Man, and I had I had the Chargers. It, my weekend started off good because I was like, okay, I picked San Fran to win. And then the Chargers are at Jacksonville. Chargers blowing out Jacksonville in the first half. And it was looking like everything that I said was coming. Like, I was like, okay, they're, they're I feel like Los Angeles is way more ready for the moment. I feel like Herbert is, is they've played in more primetime games. I feel like they'll be ready for this playoff like atmosphere more than Jacksonville will. And then that man, Trevor Lawrence, has something else to say, right? Yeah, that man, he's the truth. He is the truth. I think you can you can start to put him in with those, you know, those young elite guys. Like you know, AFC's got they're loaded with with quarterbacks, and I feel like Lawrence is, is right there, right? He threw the four INTs early, but overcoming that and and not only beating your team to a win but then to go and throw four tugs um three in the second half man that says a lot that says a whole lot and you know he, he balled out he simply balled out and i think that this comeback win says a ton about doug peterson's coaching um it says a lot about trevor lawrence and who he is as a leader who he is as a quarterback and this jags team that they they're willing to fight man they're willing to scrap no matter no matter what the circumstance but I also believe that it has a lot to say about the Chargers, right? And there's been a lot of speculation about whether Coach Staley is going to be back, uh, or Deshaun Payton, you know, I don't know about all that. But it says a lot about this Chargers team as well that they, you know, it, it's it's hard to blow a 27-point lead, right? I came in here after the Colts blew a 33-point lead to Minnesota. Um, but this one was was a little harder to watch because when it was a playoff game, it meant a lot more. And keeping an early lead in the NFL is not the easiest thing to do, I understand, right? Because when you get an early lead, when you get up two scores, 14-0, whatever, offenses start to go off script. They start to open up their playbook early and they start to spread it out, right? Now they start to, we're just throwing here, here, here. You saw with Kirk Cousins, came out in the second half against Indianapolis and the Vikings just went, all right, let's just go. We're just gonna go four receivers, throw it, throw it. Here's Dalvin Cook, check down, right? It, it's not the easiest thing to hold on to an early lead, right? But they didn't even give themselves a chance, right? They they only ran the ball eight times in the second half. Um, on their first two drives of the second half, and they had two carries, right? On their first two drives, they had two carries, one on each one on each drive, and on their last drive of the game, they had zero. That, that says a lot right there. Their first two drives only having two carries. Their last drive of the game only having zero. It's just, you have a lead like that, you've got to run the football. Yeah, I get you got Justin Herbert. You got the weapons outside. Gerald Everett was balling out too. But run the ball. Waste some clock. you got to have better clock management at that. than that, um, yeah, that was it was hard to watch, but it was, it was a fun game, right? It was a close game. Like I said, it was probably it was the best game of the of the week or the weekend so far. And um, yeah, I guess we'll see, you know, what's going to happen when Jacksonville goes to Kansas City. Miami at Buffalo, Baltimore at Cincinnati. To me, two close games. It, it's crazy. The Bills and the Bengals both both played two very close, tough games against a backup quarterback and a third string quarterback, right? We saw with Buffalo, Josh Allen being sacked seven times, right? I couldn't even believe that. He, was, he got sacked seven times, turned the ball over three times, one that turned into a score, a scooping score, and a three-point win 
over Miami at home. Now, I, I can't wait to come in here and, and give my prediction for the this Bills-Bengals game because I don't think that'll happen again. Um, I know ever since, like, we look at the Bengals game, right? Bengals offense just could not get it moving, and I get that Ravens defense is tough. They, they have great players. Um, they play fast. But I would say both teams didn't play their best football, and both O-lines struggled, right? I think the Bengals gave up four sacks. I just mentioned that Buffalo gave up seven. Um, man, it, these were tight games, and I think that this upcoming game will be a very – close fought matchup. I think Josh Allen's gonna bring his best. I think Jamal like I think Joe Burrow and those boys and, and Cincy, they're hungry, right? And it's gonna be interesting because you know you saw the celebration with Joe Mixon doing the coin flip in reference to the NFL. If those teams play down the road having to do a coin flip to, to determine the neutral site or who gets home field advantage or whatever. Um I I wonder, you know, and obviously the storyline between like uh, with DeMar Hamlin it's going to be a big one um, hopefully those guys can just come out and be mentally ready locked in and ready to go because I know how hard that probably that game probably is going to, to start just knowing how the game you know ended last time very early but I think man, I think it's going to be honestly I think this game is going to be a game for the ages right I think both teams are hungry both teams see that their window is is now Josh Allen Joe Burrow you saw him say it a couple weeks ago he said as long as I'm playing in the league, our window's open that long, right? And I, you have to think that Josh Allen feels the exact same way. I feel like both these teams, their window is now, they got great teams, great offensive weapons. You know, I think it's gonna be a great matchup. We're gonna have to see. And then we had New York at the Vikings, right? We had New York at Minnesota in US Bank Stadium. I know the stadium was rocking, it was loud in there. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden it got super quiet and you could hear a pin drop. And the only thing you, you could hear is the, the Giants team and their small fan base that came cheering. And you just see, you know, Thibodeau gritting on the, the Vikings logo, logo, mad disrespectful. But honestly, as a, as a Vikings fan, you've, you've gotten used to it, right? You've gotten used to it. I came in here and I said, there's no way that that Vikings team is gonna lose their that home game against the Giants who a team that they're better than, right? Um, I, I thought that they were going to play a lot better. I thought that the defense was going to play a lot harder. Man, Daniel Jones and Saquon, they were seemed to be able to do whatever they wanted, right? That Vikings defense looked as awful as they could um, possibly look on Sunday. And, you know, I, from, a, from an analysis standpoint, right, not like pointing the finger, it was weird because I'm watching the game, right? And as a guy who plays football, who's in the game, right? You, you, you think, okay, they keep rushing four guys. They keep rushing four defenders. Um, they're dropping back into zone and Daniel Jones is just picking up, picking the team apart. They're just picking the defense apart. And then when he, when they do like have the receivers under lock somewhat, he takes off and he just goes for, for a first down. At some point, when do you bring the pressure, right? I get, you got Darius Smith, the Neil Hunter on the outside, you just rush forward, you expect one to get after the quarterback. But after that, after a while, after that's not working, at what point do you just say, hey, we're gonna bring five guys, um, we're gonna bring an extra guy, um, we're gonna man up, 
We're going to make it harder. We're going to make these receivers beat us one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to make Daniel Jones make the right read and beat us over, like, with his arm. I don't know. It was uh, it was tough to watch, um, definitely from a Vikings standpoint. But, hey, you got to give props to Coach um, Dayball and, and those boys in, in, in blue because they got them ready to play, right? And I think I saw Michael Strahan, New York Giant legend, um, I saw him say this morning or last night or something, I, I saw him say that it's when a team loses by only a game-winning field goal, the confidence that comes with that to see that team next time around. Because now you're like, oh, man, they only got us because off a game-winning field goal. Now you got that confidence. And as a player, I can attest to it, too, is like you get when you play the game of football and you feel like a team squeaked a win out on you and then you feel like you feel like they're not better than you. They just got one on you. That's sometimes the best feeling because you're like, okay, now next time we got that number, next time we're going to get them. And that's exactly how this game looked. It looked like the Giants were not scared of Minnesota at all. It looked like they wholeheartedly expected to dominate that game on offense like they did. Um, you know, there were some questionable things that the Vikings did on offense all night long. I know they people are going to talk about the third and one throwback to Kirk Cousins. On the last play, being fourth and eight, Kirk Cousins kind of just dumping it down to TJ Hawkinson. But, you know, he's getting pressured. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard throw. It's hard as a fan, people that are watching. But he's getting pressured. The only guy that's pretty much open. See if your best tight end can make, a, can make somebody miss and get a first down um, rather than take the sack in that situation. So, man, yeah, props to the Giants, man. That was a great game. Man, off of the NFL for a little bit, off of the NFL for this last topic, because I seen this shot last night that the Joker made, and I was like, man, and it just made me think. I was like, man, is this dude, is Nikola Jokic the most underrated, like most underrated player of all time, right? Maybe it's because he plays in Denver, but you know, look at guys like Carmelo Anthony who brought up, who had a great you know, brand in Denver, but he also had the, the sick, light blue unis and, the, and he had the braids, man. Maybe it's because Jokic plays in Denver. Maybe it's because he's a non-American, big, slow center who plays, whose game isn't like flashy whatsoever. Maybe it's all those things, right? Um, but regardless, he's a back-to-back he's -back MVP who, if he keeps it up, if he keeps up this play and Denver keeps winning, he's on his way to a three-peat, right? Um, he's averaging 24, 10, and 9. He's shooting 62% from the field. The Nuggets are 12 and 3 in their last 15 games, and they sit half a game up on Memphis for first within the West, right? So if Denver keeps this up and Jokic keeps averaging those numbers, how are you not giving the MVP, right? Personally, I, I, Luka is in Dallas just killing it right now. Um, you know, KD was in the mix before he got hurt, but. You almost have to give it to him. And the last person at three P, the NBA MVP was Larry Bird, 84, 85, 86, right? Larry Bird. And the only other two people outside of Larry Bird to do it before him was Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, right? All three of those names I just mentioned. Bird, Russell, Will. All three of those guys are regarded as icons and legends when it comes to the game of basketball, right? You think of those names, you think legendary, right? And I think part of the reason why Jokic is so underrated, even though he's a back-to-back -back two-time MVP, is because we've seen such dominant legends play the center position, right? 
Um, and his, like I said, his game is not flashy and it's not like anything we've ever seen before. You look at Shaq, right? Big, dominant, back you up into the post, dunk on you, Wilt flying up and down the court, blocking shots, getting rebounds, these crazy numbers, right? Bill Russell, Hakeem, Elijah Wan, Kareem. Jokic just doesn't fit into that category of, of dominant, you know, just taking over the game center that we're used to seeing, but he's so unlike anything else that he takes the, I don't even want to say he doesn't take over the game because he takes it over in certain ways that we've never seen before. We've never seen a center, he's the greatest big man passer of all time. And I think he's shooting, like he's shooting 80% from the free throw. I think he's shooting like 37% from three. We've never seen anything like this before. And ultimately like some more respect has to be put on this man's name because if he goes on to, to get a three-peat MVP, does he, like, who does he surpass? I know he doesn't have a ring. He's got to get some rings. Uh, this Denver's looking really good this year. This might be the year of Jamal Murray to get back fully healthy and be a, a, a tangible scoring op like option for them. But he already needs, like, without even if he doesn't get another MVP or solo award, like, he's already back-to-back. -back. Ultimately, like, when is it that we're going to put some respect in this man's name? Because... You know, he deserves his name to be up there with the greats, not only centers, but the greatest like players of all time. And he like once he gets a ring, it's going to cement that. Right. And we'll be going over the wild our divisional round matchups later this week. So I'll be dropping that. I'll be dropping another um, life podcast or life episode, you should say, later this week. So got some big things coming up, man. Like I said, appreciate y'all tapping, tapping in with me for another episode. Until next time. Peace.